everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi, everyone. Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing. Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Kimberly Crow. Kimberly was part of our second annual Loving Healing Creating Summit we ran in February and shared with us guided process to release from the chaotic mind. You can still get access to the summit at www.creativeyouhealing.com. Kimberly Crow is an everyday mystic. Kimberly is an internationally known visionary teacher, artist, and transformational healer with 30 years experience. She's a code activator and is the sacred witness to the inner awakened mastery. I am Retonements. Guided by your authentic power, Kimberly can tap directly into your soul to help you achieve your purpose and passions in life. With precise inner vision and loving compassion, Kimberly will work with you to identify and release energetic blocks and imbalances that have kept you limited. She can assist you in letting go of fear and negative thought patterns so you can truly live your most passionate and successful life. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today with you. This is wonderful. It is. And I'm excited to have you here. So can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you here? Oh, yeah, I have a, you know, that uh, it's kind of funny that I call myself an everyday mystic now when (laughs) it's like when I had my awakening experience, which I had no idea I was in a awakening experience. I just thought I was losing my mind and going a little batshit crazy, you know, it's like, <laughs> and I didn't know anything then. And that was when, when I was 33. And at that time, I, and I'm 60 now. So at that time I worked in a hospital laboratory. Okay. That's what I did. I came from a scientific, my brain has been trained with science. (laughs) I was a bacteriologist and, um, well, that was the last part of that job. I was a bacteriologist supervisor and I went through a trauma that was a really big trauma for me at the time, because I had just lived this, you know, everyday middle-class life of just, you know, my dad was a teacher, my mom did hair, you know, just a life like that. Okay. And my, um, now deceased, my has my, my husband then just didn't come home. He didn't, he just didn't come home. Okay. And so, um, I had a almost three-year-old by then And, um, we used to show dogs and I had all of these dogs and it was, it was like, okay, what happens? And I went through, you know, a really, I mean, like a psychic break, like a nervous breakdown with all of it. Cause I didn't have any coping skills. You know, I didn't, none of that was, we didn't know what any of that was. None of that was there, but I remember the first thing of knowing that 
I wasn't going to live my life like it had been anymore. And that I didn't have anybody in my life. That was my first thought. I don't have anybody in my life now to tell me what to do. I can do anything I want to do. And I remember, I remember having that thought like during all of the trauma and there's that one part that everything's spinning out. And then this part inside of me that was like, (laughs) woohoo. And I, I mean, I'll admit that now, you know, it's like I went through all of that. And I, um, now I realize it was a calling. I kept hearing an inner voice tell me to quit what I was doing. And, and I had this inner drive to go be a massage therapist. And I didn't really even know what a massage therapist did then. You know, it wasn't like it was as, um, what do you call that? You know, it wasn't out in the world like it is now, you know, mm-hmm. not as much. Okay. And I just knew I was supposed to do it. And everything around me started spinning out like stupid things at work. I got put on probation for something that wasn't a reason to be put on probation. It was totally spirit waking me up. Everything was falling apart around me. And I, um, when I got put on probation, when I got sent home from work with not, no pay for three days, I started calling massage schools immediately. Cause I was hearing the voice and not doing anything about it. And I started calling all of the massage schools to find out what the curriculum was, when to start and all of that. And I had a plan. And when I went back, I was ready like to quit. And a doctor friend of mine said, you're almost vested in your retirement. Wait and see how many days you've got till that to make sure you, you know, and it was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I put everything in plan. Like the voice came, which is that divine inspiration. And then I put it into action, you know, like the voice will tell you, but then there's like some parts that you have to do to have the plan. And Mm -hmm. I quit work. I quit work. I went to massage school that summer. My daughter was before she got into the system. So she was between, you know, she wasn't in kindergarten yet. It was like, it was that. And I stayed home with her, went to massage school and um, we had puppies. My, one of my golden retrievers was pregnant. And that was like the universe supporting me because I had, you know, had um, loved my dogs and supported them. And then all of a sudden this was there for me. And I stayed home and played the golden retriever puppies with a three-year-old and went to massage school. Best summer of my life. <laughs> and when I, when I went to massage school, I started knowing things about people. I thought it happened to every massage therapist because I didn't know any different. I didn't have any reference point to what was going on. I just thought it was happening to everybody. And um, because my brain had been scientifically trained and I knew what cells looked like and all of that, when I touched people, I saw them to their bodies. So mine came on as like a medical intuitive at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I just thought it was like I would get these images and I would like it. So it came in that way, like in physical symptom, uh, systems, you know, of the body. And, and I knew those, but I would know like what was wrong with this person. Like what, what, I would just have this knowing. And it wasn't long after that, that I real, I, I remember the first shoulder that spoke to me. There was a guy that was coming in all the time. He had the same shoulder stuff. It would get better. And I asked the shoulder one day, 
why are you always this way when you come back to me? You know, it was like just a thought in my head. And when I had the thought and my hands were on him, suddenly I saw like um, images of what had happened to him in his childhood. I saw a belt go across his shoulder and it like, it shocked me. It startled me. And I remember I started crying and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, cause it was so much emotions that was in there and those emotions that had been trapped in his body for so long, you know, hit my field. So those things started just naturally occurring to me. And I started talking about it to other massage therapists. Well, they were like looking at me like deer in the headlock because I thought it happened to everybody. And I had friends that guided me, you know, to go, you, you've got, you got to go find out what this is. And so I started studying energy work and I went to every class that I could get my hands on in the moment, you know, in that time period, I was studying everything. And um, I realized my daughter could see energy. I, I, start, I noticed that she would look above me and around me when she was talking to me. And so I realized she could see. And that was another part that inspired me, drove me, whatever, that I had this magical, you know, three, four-year-old that... Um, I thought she would have questions and that I needed to have these answers for her because nobody had ever gave me these answers and I needed to know this stuff. So that was another reason I was trying to study everything. She never had a question because it was just the way she saw the world. So it would, it just was for her, you know, like whatever color she saw in somebody's aura, blue was just blue. It didn't mean anything else. <laughs> and so that's yeah. what, that's and then I kept getting more energy work and the more energy work I got the more of my all of my different you know essence my clairs all came on like every you know the more work I got the more inner child work I did the more work I, you know the more and more I expanded in consciousness and integrated mm -hmm. I, I didn't know any of those things I didn't know what a chakra was I had no idea you know it's like I didn't know any of those things <laughs> but spirit was guiding you spirit was guiding you where you needed to go right and that yeah. shows you know somewhere before we jump in we have that plan we have that divine blueprint that we set up and we said on this day this is going to happen and then this will happen and this will happen and then you know when I first worked as a as a medical intuitive when I would do people readings that way I understood why I worked in the lab for the years that I did. I wanted to be an artist. I remember when my parents were like, you've got to go to school. What are you going to do? I want to be an artist. And my dad said, you have to have a real job. And, and, you know, so I went medical because there's always medical jobs and I hated it. I never liked being there. I wasn't like anybody in the lab. You know, I knew, I mean, I always felt like I was at the wrong place, but when everything happened, it made sense because at that time period, that's why my brain had been trained that way, mm -hmm. you know, that I could assimilate all of it, you know, like it was, it was, I could see later, oh, well, this makes sense now. I was being trained the whole time. Well, yeah. And especially that body knowledge that you would have gotten in your medical training, you know, carries over into the energy work that you do 
And yeah, it absolutely. did. It's like, yeah. yeah, when I studied meridians, I actually understood more about the systems than I did all those years working in the hospital lab. And then, but it all went together, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and I could um, actually literally see like, I mean, I would know what people's like levels were in their labs. Like if they came in, say somebody had liver stuff, I go, oh, your liver enzymes are high, high today. And it's because I knew, you know, that's a whole, you know, when you're working in something like that, you don't realize it's a whole language and that it's like that the whole world doesn't know this because you've been trained in it. And mm-hmm. so I could help them in that way. But then it all just kind of integrated. And I, I knew that there was more to it than physical. And especially when that guy's shoulder showed me that to me that day. Then it was like, oh my God, I've got to have, I've got to help these people emotionally. You know, mm-hmm. that it's like all of this is inside of them and it's been stored in there and there's more to this and there's another level. So everything I ever studied to unfold was because I needed the tool. I thought I've got to have the tool to, to hand them, to help them. You know, it was, that was always the part that, that was always sending me to the next level, to the next you know, to the next class. It was like, mm-hmm. I studied everything. Homeopathy, then I was like, oh, I need a pill to put under their tongue. And then maybe that'll work. <laughs> I mean, all of it. And it's all just energy. And does it really matter what modality you're using? Because in some place, we're all working within that same field. And maybe that's the one that's the, that is the tool that day for that person. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we gave, because of the wide range of that, and then I just let it all go. And, you know, and then when I work with people, I can tap into their essence and it might not be something that I have studied, but they have, so I can, their body knows what it is that they need. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, that when it all started integrating then there, then I went to the point of, I realized I didn't need to know anything. I just turned it loose. I'm not the one doing anything. And then I, if I get out of the way, then I can be the tool for the divine, you know, yeah. like that, you know, and, and of course, having the knowledge makes it all easier to put the pieces together. But so that was when you, when you wake up to that, you know, you wake up to the, First, you think that somebody's doing things to you in life. I went through that with the divorce. <laughs> Somebody did something to me. Then, then yeah. I went into the phase of, oh, I'm responsible for everything I create. And then, then I went to the next level of, oh, a spirit just dreams me in. <laughs> no, I'm like, I just get out of the way. And, and that's when you step into a whole different flow. You know, yeah. when you, when you step into that place of, okay, Devon, dream me in today. What are we going to do? And that's what happens in my artwork and everything else. You know, when yeah. you, when you come at that level. So did that answer your first question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> question one, uh, but it's, it's interesting what you say, you know, like when you step out of your own way and let divine take over. Right. And we, we really struggle with that. It's like, just just step out of the way and allow, but we get so caught up in, we have to be an active participant in everything. And if we can just let go, sometimes everything does the right thing. Yeah. That's when you, I mean, cause the ego is always going to be here really. And it's when you mm-hmm. move out of that place that your ego is the tool for the divine. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, 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 when you surrender, you're not quitting, you're not giving up. You have moved into the place that I am a tool of the divine. So, you know, it's like, and so you, it's like, use me. But when I say use me, I don't mean like, <laughs> like <laughs> use me, use me, <laughs> utilize me. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a whole different, it's, it's a whole different way of being when you move into that, when you start yeah. moving into that place of it. And I still have to surrender, you know, in that, and, and in those processes, listening in then like, um, downloads would come to me, you know, like I would see the downloads, I would see, um, I would go to a class and whatever it was that they were teaching wasn't the same class I was in. And, you know, I started realizing that and that it was, and that, and that each place I went was more like, okay, so the book fell out of the bookshelf that took me there, but it was to, it, it was to, to like awaken something that was already there, something that's ancient and future all at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that, so we're, we're awakening our own accumulated knowledge. Yeah. I feel like, I like that's that. what it is. And mm-hmm. that we all can ca- tap into that quantum, that quantum feel at any time, you know, that it's, it's there for us. Mm-hmm. If we get out of the way, then we can tap into it. Or it can tap into us, however, maybe that's the way it happens. Well, if the chicken was first or the egg, which way is it? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So then what does healing with creativity mean to you? Healing with creativity. Oh, I think that healing with creativity, that's when we really step out of the way and we let those creative juices come through us you know it's like the um and you you get to explore like a child like I'm getting to explore that my my granddaughter's three and so being at the consciousness that I am now with her and you know it's like it's so it's so much fun you know to to allow that's when that you allow that inspiration to come through and then the energy itself works with you because of color sound tones whatever it is it's all some kind of energetic signature and there's like an essence that's with that and it's a freedom there's a freedom with it in there i think there's a freedom with the creativity part then we're not so much here i know when my art because i was always an artist my whole life that was something that i've always been and then i used it in other ways and then when i um stepped back into that like when it awakened back in me again um first I started just like I asked everybody that year for everybody's like what do you want for Christmas I want art supplies nobody bought me any I had to go do that for myself (laughs) and I would go into these we're out for two or three days I mean it might be the weekend and I like didn't change clothes and just stayed in the paint and I would just be painting circles colors and, and, and it was, and I could tell that the colors were doing something to me and I had, and I couldn't stop, <laughs> I couldn't stop doing it. And then, you know, and even those, I have a whole pile of those somewhere. And sometimes I pull them out and they're backgrounds for paintings I'm doing now. You know, it's like I have them and then I'll recreate with them again, but I could feel the colors opening up things in me. And that it was doing something 
an integration in my brain is a, it was a, it's an integration between your right and left brain. That's what it means. It's that's what starts happening with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So what inspires you then in the work that you do? Um, What inspires me? Well, when I'm the people, when I'm working with people, um, with humanity, (laughs) the part that inspires me is when they get their ahas, when, you know, because at this point, I don't, I don't like to call myself a healer or psychic or any of those things anymore. Like I've kind of let go of all the labels. So when I asked one day, it's like, well, what am I? I'm their sacred witness. And it's like, that's what I do. You know, it's like when you let go of everything and you stand in that place and because I step into the light of the divine where everything's possible. And then I become their sacred witness to watch them remember the gift that they are. And when, when, when they, that energy that happens, when they release something that's been holding them in some kind of pattern, it's the not self. When they connect to that and something changes and then there's that expansion that happens and they get their aha, that's what inspires me. It inspires yeah. me, you know, it's that there's, it's like that energy that happens in that moment. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of addictive. It's like it's a dopamine <laughs> or something. It's like, wow, I want to see this happen again. <laughs> I, I agree. And I've, I've said that a lot, you know, other people's aha moments are what keep me going, right? Yeah, because that's it's what it like is. seeing people break through something and figure something out and just step into their own power is just, yeah. I mean, and that's what, yeah, to me, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we're here to do is for them to remember the gift that they are. I mean, that's, that's it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not to, yeah, to, to get out of the way so then they can remember. And in that moment of trust is when they, when they can let go and really drop into their core and then they can trust their self too. They remember what it's like to trust their self. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So one of the things about healers and creatives is um, this sort of thing about monetizing the work we do. And, and so I just want to get your thoughts on monetizing healing and creative works. Oh, I mean, I've heard the arguments with that. <laughs> it, it's like any gift. You don't, I mean... In everybody that does their work, that's their gift. Whether it's a doctor, if it's, you know, I've heard, because I'm living, I'm back in Kentucky now, I live in Kentucky. So when a lot of that stuff first started happening to me, you know, uh, it was that you can't charge for your healing work, but it was okay for me to, to, to charge for a massage because they saw me like the way they saw, a, you know, a physical therapist or something. But that there was something, you know, that switch over to the energy work and that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think that, that was put in humanity's consciousness actually to hold us back. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. It never made any sense to me because, you know, before, before we lived in the society that we live in now, when we were medicine men and women, the oracles of the tribes, the seers to the kings, we were taken care of 
You know, it's like the, the community took care of that person because that person was what kept the community surviving. Mm-hmm. So it so it was uh you know it was all everybody lived in the bartering system then. We still do. Yeah. We still live in a bartering system. And we still live in communities that support each other. And the way you know we do that now is that the system that we happen to have is what you know is what we call money, and it's the energy that we use for it's changed now. You know, I can't really go to the grocery store and go, thank you. Here's a prayer. Bye. <laughs> you know, It's like, that's not going to work. They're going to push little buttons and then there's going to be men in blue that are going to chase me to my car. You know, it's like... <laughs> now, yeah. now you can't pray and suddenly groceries show up at your house. I've had that happen. <laughs> you know, it's like, people, it's like, it's still a bartering system somewhere. The universe supports you. But I don't even know why, why would, why would people that work in those modalities not be, be receiving just like everybody else is, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know where, I don't know where that matrix, because when I, when I look into the minds, I see it as matrices and how the mind has created these constructs. And then we're all kind of puppets that have been controlled by those constructs. And so when we release from that, we're no longer controlled by, by that. So whenever that got put in and whoever created that and it went in to the consciousness, because I don't think it's always been that way, you know, and mm-hmm. I've even I've had because I live in the Bible Belt and I and, and I don't you know, my clients aren't even from here now. It's like everybody I do is I'm on the phone. So it's like I don't have that like I did when I had a brick and mortar, you know, office here. And then I left and I was gone for here for years. And then I came back because of my granddaughter. But um, I did have that a lot with uh, when I saw people in person that were from the area, you know, that they had this, that um, like Jesus didn't charge and whatever and all of that. And it's like, they don't know any of that. Somebody told them that. They don't really know. I mean, the truth is they don't really know. And he was supported by his, his community. And, and that was always there. You know, wherever he went, mm-hmm. everything was there. So I don't really, I don't know where that came from. So anyway, I don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> so we're all here. Good answer. All right. And all we're right. here to receive from our gifts. So- what, what is the creative healing modality that you use the most for yourself? Uh, it's tapping into spirit myself. It's like mm-hmm. now none of mine are separate. So I don't seem to have a modality because it all kind of went into, you know, I threw it all into the basket, shook it all up, and then it just kind of comes out. So if I get a trigger myself, then mm-hmm. it's recognizing it and knowing it. And then I sit with it. So I, I, my first thing that I probably do is, well, first I release from the mind of humanity. It's like I release from that chaotic mind that I know I have plugged into and that somewhere out there, I think there's an answer when the, all the answers are inside of me. So I disconnect from that. And that's one that spirit showed me, gave me. It was how to disconnect from that or to just do it. So mm-hmm. I disconnect from those mind constructs and drop into my heart and when I drop into my heart then in the silence the breath 
that's the thing that I use. I use breath. It's like when you drop into that, you always carry your tool of breath with you. And when you breathe and you drop into that moment of silence, there, there's a, there's an opportunity for expansion. And there's like an opportunity that um, if you like to listen in that silence, that the answer to you. And so that's my go-to for me. You know, that's the first thing that I do is drop into that. And if I still hear the voices talking, you know, if the the voices in my head are still uh, trying to um, control me, (laughs) tell me something, the not self is taken over, then I connect to it because it's some, you know, shadow aspect. And I don't see shadow as something bad. I see it as a superpower that got, you know, neglected sometimes. And so it's talking because people quit listening to it. And so it's acting out. So I'll go to it. I go to that. You know, I do my inner, my inner work. I go to it and talk to it. I'll, I'll journal, I'll dialogue and say, you know, what's up, what's going on? What do you need to say? And usually after it's heard, then, you know, you can kind of compromise and there's a energy shift that happens. So that's what I use on myself. And when I'm working with clients, uh, there's something that happens that it's like in that space, because I don't judge them at all for anything that's going on. And in that place of being neutral, then that happens for them. You know, holding that place of that, then they can step out of the shame and blame game. And when they step out of that, then it's like that shadow can be the superpower that it came to be. There's a, you know, when you take it and use it, mm-hmm. there's an energy yeah. shift that happens. And, you know, in yeah. some days I may have sleep with crystals, you know, it's like whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I think yeah. that that using like, cause I use all of it. I mean, I taught crystal classes forever. I've taught everything. And, um, you know, I've taught intuitive classes, you know, all of those things. I mean, I have my kind of own little mystery school that I teach stuff, but um, all those tools can help and they can help raise their vibration in the moment. But I think the key, I really believe the key is doing that inner child work is that when, Mm -hmm. because the, it's the other is a, for the moment, you know, it's expansion and it doesn't mean in that expansion that you can't go back to homeostasis. And then in that, in that, the aha happens, but it's about getting the aha. If you don't get the aha, it's not going to change the programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find that too? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, to me, it's like going back to the core, right? Going back right. to the core. Exactly. And yeah, figuring that out. And it's interesting what you said too about shadow and you know, without shadow, we can't really have light because it, it doesn't amplify it. So we have to have that shadow side and and recognizing that. And then what what do we do with that? Right. So I think, you know, that work is also so very important. Like mm-hmm. most people want to just like ignore the shadow or what we I'll consider the, the shadow. negative. I've heard people say yeah. that. I've found it in, like I'm trying to kill my shadow and it's like, you killing your shadow. <laughs> it's like, it's already been beat up sometime. It's already been shamed and blamed. And it's like, talk to it, see what its superpower is and how do you integrate that gift? <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, exactly. 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> very important. Very important. Yeah. So what, what would you say you're the proudest of in your life? What am I the proudest of in life? I, you know, I don't, I think there's proud moments every day. So it's like, I don't know, maybe I've let go of, I forgot to an age, but I've let go of all of whatever I thought those markers were. It's, when you say that, I, my most empowering moment, I can say that. This is so weird that I thought of this because I saw the flash of this when I was telling you the, the story of like when I had my awakening and when I went through my divorce and I went through that, the like being the victim of whatever I thought was happening to me. I had, I had a couple acres or something. And so I had to start mowing the yard because my, um, you know, wasband he used to mow the yard and all of a sudden I had to take care of things like that. And my dad mm -hmm. bought me a riding lawnmower and it kept breaking a band or something. And there was a, I, there was a guy that lived in a trailer that had all these lawnmowers. And so I went and knocked on his door one day because I thought he must fix them if he owns any of them. And he taught me how to fix that lawnmower. And I remember the first day that it broke while I was on it and I fixed it myself. And in that moment, it was so empowering that was and and so for a long time I, the, the mower was like my power symbol I wouldn't let anybody else smoke the yard it was like no this is like empowerment for me and it's and it was going from that 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 I wasn't a victim anymore and that I could take care of myself and that wow I fixed a lot more <laughs> you know it was such mm -hmm. a because I didn't have that steel and didn't think that I could do something like that but that so that that's the prou my proudest moment was the day I was <laughs> And there's something to be said for that, right? And like something that you don't typically do, you've given that over to somebody else, and then you you're responsible for it and you do it. Yeah, you that's do empowering. It. Yeah, that's instead empowering. of laying there and crying, like you know, <laughs> it was like I did it, and I I'm, I never forget that day that that like rush of energy going through my body and it was just like yes you know and it's like that you feel that and it's like that mm -hmm. the energy of that so yeah. yeah those wins are big wins in their life when we move from from that you know that we went into victimhood into this you know this strength the difference mm -hmm. in between that yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, that's funny that that's what come up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it, it's a great sort of analogy for life, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would it be? That, that somewhere that we all realize the gift that we are. And that we came here to be that gift for humanity. And it's through, you know, the light, the love. And when we can, when we can all be compassionate and be in our compassionate heart and see all of humanity, just stand in their shoes for that one second to be there in that moment, then I think we let go of all the judgment and then they won't be wars anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like when we, it's like, yeah, when we all ascend to that level. I mean, that's what that we're here lovely. for, for some reason, you know, to step out of that game of whatever that is. Yeah. 
And I, I yeah. think this past year, especially, we're starting to see that shift. I mean, it's been happening slowly, but I feel like there's been a, a huge movement this past year into that. I mean, and you can see it in the um, polarity that's happening and the fight that's happening against it, right? Um, but the people are starting to have an understanding of their importance in community, their importance in the world, their importance and the energy that they're putting out. So they want to put out more positive energy. Well, my whole belief with this situation, you know, that the whole globe has been in 2020, that humanity dreamed it in because we can't, for it to be as big as it is and to be in a whole global thing, you know, somewhere within us, we all created that within a hive mind because the shift had to happen. And, you know, and I mean, my first thought when, when that, you know, when, when that, what could be tragedy, you know, the wave of that went, I would thought, I thought this is it. This is when we move into our, our compassionate heart. And then there was times to witness some of it that I was like, oh God, we're not going to make it. <laughs> People are fighting <laughs> each other over masks. I mean, really, it's like, and, and so I really believe that it, it is, it is an opportunity that it's here as an opportunity to, to be in that place of compassion because, and, and the healing that happened with earth herself, humanity would have never put itself in timeout. And as soon as, as that happened, as soon as we went into timeout, then look how fast earth herself healed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like amazing, you know, and so she's leading the way and showing us she's going through ascension, whether we do or not, you know, <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. might as well get on the game board. A long time ago, Earth herself, Gaia is what, you know, the spirit of Earth told me that we will all when when. When I finally, because I, I really didn't care a lot for humanity. I had a lot of judgment over humanity from a long time. I mean, I could, as a child, I'd think, oh, they're so human. And I, and I always kind of carried that. And one day in a meditation, I remember connecting to the heart of earth herself. And she showed me how much she loved humanity. And, it, and, that, and that she never holds anything against us and how much she loves us. And she said to me, when you all love each other the way I love you is the day that you all awaken in the sin. And you'll mm-hmm. keep doing this until you step into that place. So we'll keep uh-huh. doing it until we, yeah. until that's what it's about. We will keep doing it until we step into that. So that's, you know, it just happens here. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So imposter syndrome. So as women, we tend to really struggle with imposter syndrome. I know healers, creatives do as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on imposter syndrome? Have you struggled with that yourself? If I did, it was early on. Cause I think as soon as I've turned everything over and I knew I wasn't the one that did it. I, I didn't have that anymore, you know, cause it sometimes when like a client, like if I've done a reading or something with somebody, it's five years later and they see me, of course they remember me because, you know, they had this big experience and mm-hmm. I might not remember the experience. 
And when they start telling me stuff, there's a part of me that kind of goes into, I told you that stuff. Cause I'm just me, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just me walking around. I'm still me with a, you know, when I step out of that role, I'm still me with the personality and everything. And then I kind of, you know, make a what? And then it's like, oh, it's not me. It's when I turn over to, when I step into that place of the divine, I'm not the one doing it. So all, all things are possible, you know? So I think when I came into um, harmony, alignment with that, I didn't, I don't really have that anymore that, that comes up, but I'm not, I don't, <laughs> this is imposter syndrome because I started to say but I'm pretty authentic wherever I go so I don't try to be something I'm not mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying I think that maybe sometimes that might come up when maybe we're not quite I don't know I have to think about that one <laughs> okay fair enough fair maybe enough. with my art I mean I maybe could see that with my art because I went the medical route I wasn't um you know I don't have any I'm a, what do they call that? Outsider. You know, my art's just mine. I I didn't have any formal training in art. You know, it just Mm -hmm. happens. I don't know how art happens. It's like, it's in my hand and, and, you know, and all of a sudden this paint is on the canvas and suddenly there's faces and beings and I don't know where they came from (laughs) or how Mm -hmm. they got there. It just is magic and it just happens. So maybe if I was in if I was in a circle, because I've had that happen before when I've tried to go into artist circles and, you know, like be in that community and, and it's been a long time. So it may not still be that way. It may have been the energy that I was in at the time, but there was kind of a snootiness with it. You know, mm-hmm. do yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I probably felt it then, you know, in that time period, it, I think that that happens when maybe we do hit that wall of judgment or that top of one up you kind of energy. I don't really get affected by that anymore though. Yeah. And I think that's really what it comes from is that, um, that judgment, whether self judgment or cultural judgment that we're so used to. Mm -hmm. And then if we're not stepping into our fullest authenticity, our full authentic self, then we, we judge ourselves based on other people's judgments or procedures right, the programs right? because those programs are within us and mm-hmm. they could have been there from you know all kinds of situations that we don't know that we're carrying cellularly in that yeah. in, can be you know in our dna can be in this dna skin suit and we don't even know it or from some experience just one little word that was said to us as a child and we mm-hmm. don't know we're carrying that yeah yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I do think that that is, I do see people that get kind of, that, that they run from it. So they're always trying to prove something because the, I guess they're running from the imposter syndrome, you know, and they seem to be on the hamster wheel, you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just let it take, take them over and they're not really accomp- accomplishing anything because they're just striving, striving, striving. Yeah. Yeah. It's burnout. Yeah. <laughs> True. So do you have an inspirational quote then that you live by? Oh, I don't know. What is, is who said be the change? I guess that's, it's because it happens within us. 
Who said that? I don't even know right now. Who, who was the original person that said it? I want to say Gandhi, but I could be wrong. So listeners, let us know if I'm wrong. Um, I think, but yeah, I want to say Gandhi. Something, yeah, some things <laughs> that he said that other people got tagged with it later because they used it in some some speech. But yeah, that's probably, I mean, really, because that's where it is. We're the ones to be the change. Yeah. It has to happen with inside of us. You know, if you get angry and run out in the street and you're, you know, protesting and yelling at everybody, it's still that change has to come come from within you. You know, there's mm-hmm. something there. Yeah, there's a thing with justified anger. And when you take that and put it into action, then it becomes inspiration. You know, you can mm-hmm. use it for inspiration. But when you just stay in that, it, it's not serving a purpose for anybody. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you have to the change within mm-hmm. that you want to see in the world. Yeah. 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 So is there anything else you'd like to add that we maybe haven't discussed today that you want our listeners to know? Oh, no, not really. I can't think of anything right now to be the gift that you are. It's like, that's, you know, that's, we came here to be that, to be the gift that you are and to step into that, be in your heart and and be you mm-hmm. fly your fruit flag you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> so important be your yeah. authentic unique self yeah exactly yeah yeah and then well, that you know creativity comes in all kinds of forms that's people i think sometimes that they think well, if I'm not an artist or if I'm not seeing, I have no musical talent whatsoever. I could drum, anybody could drum, but not drum good. <laughs> but I think that sometimes we judge ourselves in that way. And there's all kinds of ways to be creative. You know, mm-hmm. you may be the best, um, you know, organizer. I mean, whatever that is, it's like there's all kinds of ways that that inspiration and creativity, because that's what it is. It's that inspired action that comes through and then you utilize it some way in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, for letting yes. me hang out with you today, for inviting <laughs> me to hang out with you today. <laughs> I love it. Well, to our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day. Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.